Hello. Welcome to Gifts of the Weird. I'm Lane Delaney. And I'm John Hyatt. We welcome you back to our second episode. Yep, excited about that. We are very thrilled. And this is part of a project that we started uh, talking about. And now we are on our second episode. We're really excited about it. And we welcome you to our PantheaCon wrap-up. Yes, this is our PantheaCon exclusive. Um, it's my first time, and it's what, your 10th time? My 10th time. Congratulations. Thank you. I had a great time. That's good. Yeah. I had, I had an amazing time. I had an overwhelming time. Um, at one point, when I was walking around, I saw someone. They called my name. I walked over. I said, hi. I, I'm like, how are you doing? And she's like, PantheaCon. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's, um, especially for a first time, first timer there, it was, uh, I didn't even know what to make of everything, but it was wonderful. And, uh, reading other people's reviews and hearing other people's reviews of it, there's so much going on that I, I sometimes wonder if they went to the same convention that I did. Exactly. The people who go to PantheaCon can have a very different experience, yet a very similar experience. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners, let's talk about what PantheaCon is, especially for those who may not have ever heard of it or have seen it but don't know what it is. So, PantheaCon, <laughs> do you want to go or shall well, I? <laughs> we can both go. PantheaCon, okay, from my perspective, um, I'm coming from back east and this is my first my first time out to this. From my perspective, PantheaCon was this magical thing that happened once a year that I never got to. But um, whatever I would read about going on in the background in the uh, pagan community, especially in social issues and sometimes in, you know, magical technique and religious issues, it would be reflected on the East Coast a couple of months after PantheaCon happened. Uh, We'd start seeing ripples of it and it would start coming up in our local festivals, you know, the same kinds of issues playing out. I, um, and so it's, as far as I know, the largest and best organized uh, pagan festival in the United States. It's once a year in February, I think around the Ides, generally. It, uh, it is. I, I can't speak if it's one of the best organized festivals, okay. because I've only been to PantheaCon. I haven't been to any of those great ones that I've heard about, such as Starwood or Brushwood, mm-hmm. those on the Upper East Coast area. Uh, and But it is a wonderful experience. Uh, yeah. It has been going on for over 20 years. Um, started in the Bay Area in San Francisco and has since um, moved to the San Jose uh, Doubletree, which is right next to the International Airport. So people who fly in can take a shuttle that's about five minutes or walk. Uh, So I've heard some people walk over to the hotel. It's very exciting. Uh, It usually, well, it always occurs so far on President's Day weekend or Washington's birthday weekend um, and uh, in February. And uh, it's a great experience from Friday afternoon through Monday afternoon. And uh, it starts, basically you start the ground running with great, with an, uh, a great opening ritual. And then you go right into wonderful workshops and uh, rituals and oh, yeah. dancing and music and parties and hospitality suites. And it doesn't stop until about three o'clock on Monday afternoon. Right, yeah. And... Um you know, this this being my first time, there are a lot of things I missed because I didn't really know what I was doing there. I had a few things picked out in the schedule. And one of the things I found out that was interesting was I had my schedule made for myself about a month before the um, I got there. And over that month, 
the schedule changed vastly. There were all these new things being added, and they were being added in time slots of things that I already wanted to go to. And everyone <laughs> told me that I would need rest, but I didn't believe them. And um, I didn't know about the hospital. Well, I mean, I had I had heard hospitality suites mentioned, but I didn't really get an idea of the experience and how cool they are. And uh, there's just so much going on. So uh, next year, I think I'll have a better idea of how to plan out my Pantheacon experience and as much as I think you're able to. As a 10-year veteran, yeah. Lane, let me just tell you, it never changes. Oh, good. <laughs> you you can change. I loved it. You can plan. Uh, you can be as methodical a planner as you want, and it's always going to change, and there's going to be wonderful things coming in and things dropping out and uh, experiences and people, and sometimes you'll say, well, there's this great workshop, but you're hanging out with these really great people, and yeah. it's like, what do I do? Well... I might choose the people over the workshop, but you just never know. So mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the beauties of Pantheacon for me is that those types of things don't change. And every year it's such a, there's a lot of things that are the same, a lot of things that are similar, but mm -hmm. so many new and different things because there's always new people coming and new workshops being offered. So yeah. it's a lot of fun. So some of the, let's do, uh, let me do a little bit of the housekeeping. Mm -hmm. um, PantheaCon, uh, you can, you, our listeners, can search for it on Facebook. You can do a web search for it. The actual web address is uh, PantheaCon.com, and that's spelled P as in Papa, A-N-T-H-E-A-C-O-N.com. And they will begin opening registration, I think, at the end of August. Mm -hmm. uh, it's usually at a reduced rate if you pre-register, and it's really super cheap. It's a great price. Oh, it is, yeah. I was really surprised by, you know, I've been to other conventions before, and I was really just surprised by how affordable the experience was. Absolutely. Uh, I think last year's price, or this year's pricing was around 60 or $65 mm -hmm. for the entire weekend yeah. if you prepaid. By the end, even if you decide at the last minute in January you want to pop in or, or just show up on the door on the day of, it's still very affordable. It oh, was yeah. $80 for yeah. the whole weekend, mm -hmm. and that's a great experience. So uh, those are some really cool things about that. The organizer, Glenn Turner, Turner through Ancient Ways, which is a metaphysical shop in San Francisco, mm -hmm. has been doing this for many years, and she has an amazing team of volunteers, and I just want to say thank you to them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they have done a great job all year round, and particularly the months leading up to and the weekend of, and I'm sure for weeks afterwards, after they rested and, and recovered, but mm -hmm. they do a great job, phenomenal, phenomenal volunteers during PantheaCon. I just want to give all of sorts of kudos to them and thanks um, because they do a lot of work and they're the behind the scenes people that generally don't get praised they get a lot of complaints mm -hmm. and so it's great to say to be able to tell them and to send a facebook message or an email and say you guys did a great job or you all did a great job and we appreciate your work uh, Absolutely. And one of the things that I remember Patty telling me about it is that it's always the heathens volunteering. It's not that other people don't. It's just that um, you'll find a, a large body of heathens uh, working in the volunteering. And I actually encountered that um, with a lot of the volunteers that I ran into over the uh, weekend. So that yeah. was good to see. So that's a little bit about just the basic housekeeping of um, PantheaCon. Uh, you can go onto the website, you are a listener, and check it out and mm -hmm. um, the 
the host hotel um, is pretty much um, completely taken up by PantheaCon guests. And uh, there's a lot of overflow hotels, uh, and it's usually fairly reasonable. A lot of the overflow hotels are within walking distance, mm -hmm. so one can take a hotel um, off the main site and still be able to walk over. And um, people can drive in, they can fly in, they can stay with friends in San Jose and mm -hmm. come in. So there's a lot of great opportunities uh, at PantheaCon. So I really encourage folks to check it out Absolutely, if they can. Absolutely, me too. As a, as a starry-eyed newbie, um, I, I can't... I cannot express how much fun and <laughs> how rewarding the experience was, too. It was a really positive thing for me in a whole lot of ways. I got to meet a lot of people that I hadn't uh, hadn't met before in person, but had corresponded with online. I got to see a lot of old friends who don't live near me and, you know, long-term acquaintances also. Um, got to meet people who I only read their work before and never actually gotten to be in the same room with them. So that was really cool, too. And... Uh, yeah, it's an excellent experience, and I, I want to keep going back as long as it's going. So Absolutely. Uh, I have found that to be very true as well. Mm -hmm. And I have friends at PantheaCon that I only know at PantheaCon, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, I don't interact with them online or by email or any other way, except when we get to PantheaCon, it is old friends, and you recognize each other, and it's really great to see them. And... Um, really really awesome yeah you couldn't get ten, go 10 feet without getting hugged i noticed <laughs> absolutely so, and yeah. there is a lot of opportunity for um, b developing friendships and oh, yeah. for folks who enjoy getting hugs or sharing hugs mm -hmm. uh, there's plenty of opportunity for that as yeah. well it's really great uh, one of the ways that I've always described Panthea kind of people is it's a microcosm of the pagan community mm -hmm. you have a lot of great one has a lot of great opportunities for uh, ritual and workshops with pagan authors and uh, uh, poets and artists and artisans and um, excellent ritual leaders and leadership folks like Oberon Zell uh, had been right. going there for years mm -hmm. um, when he was alive Isaac Bonowitz used to go there uh, Margot Adler before she passed away was a feature constantly at Pantheacon it was wonderful to see her and those are our um, older pagan uh, founder or not founders but people who brought paganism to the fore back in the late 60s and early mm -hmm. 70s yeah and uh, they've they're going uh, they've been going for years and years and now we have a new generation of leaders and writers and authors and artists that are going and it's really amazing and so many of those people are just friendly and kind and it's really great yeah it has so, been wonderful. So, yeah. So that's the that's the advertisement for mm -hmm. PantheaCon. <laughs> now we will go. We're not in. even being paid for it. That's right. We just really love it. Yeah. Um, so let's go into some of our experiences there. How, sure. How do you think about that, Lane? And we have a little bit of a an outline of what we want, so that we can keep on track for you, our listener. Sure. And, yeah. Because I mean, talking about the experience, it would be really off easy to just wander off course and into the wilderness of, of all the things that happened there. Um, well, I would like to just bring up first, sure. this is very exciting yeah. because not only was it Lane's first attendance at PantheaCon, 
but her first PantheaCon, she gets to be a presenter for the first time. Congratulations. Thank you. I just have to say that is really amazing and it was brave. An honor. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was an honor and I was terrified. So um around about last September when I realized I was well, I mean I realized I was moving to San Diego a bit earlier than that, but um I was hanging out with my friend uh with a friend of mine in Buffalo and she's like, you know, you should do something there. You should go to PantheaCon and you should present. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, it's my first year. And she's like, well, if you can afford it, you should go. And if you go, you should present. You'll be able to figure it out. You know, it's not like it's that expensive. And so we ended up talking about it. Um, and I had no idea what I wanted to present because I thought, you know, this is going to be a uh, convention filled with big name pagans offering their important tidbits. And while I certainly have things that I can offer, I... I don't know. I felt overwhelmed by who else would be, you know, running workshops and stuff like that. But um, I, because of a conversation that we were having later on that evening, uh, there was something I said in the conversation and she's like, that, you should do something about that. So I ended up running a uh, workshop discussion, an open discussion called Many Tribes and Many Practices that was for heathens and heathen aligned people regarding the differences between our different groups and how we might be able to find common ground between them. It didn't turn out as planned. I'll say very first thing. I had a series of questions to ask people and I have some experience with nonviolent communication and other conflict res resolution uh, styles. And uh, one of the things that I was expecting coming in was to find huge conflicts between different people because we see them reflected in the heathen community all the time. That's right. But uh, none of the people who showed up uh, were in conflict about the questions that we started with. And um, we kept talking about them. So it turned into a good discussion. And I was really happy about the way it ended up. Uh, one of the big things that came up or the, the first question was about um, racial exclusion within kindreds. A lot of this was focused on kindred and community. Um, how would you feel about this in your kindred if your kindred excluded someone because of their race? How would you feel? How do you feel about other kindreds that do that? And uh, no one in the room was uh, on board with that concept. So, it but it at the same time, it didn't turn into an echo chamber either. We had a lot of important discussion and dialogue. And one of the things that I was really happy about with it is, especially because of all of the things that have come up over the last few months in relation to the topic a lot of there was there were a bunch of new workshops and discussion groups that had been peppered throughout the schedule since I had submitted mine and I essentially I got to be the first one for the weekend and kind of warm people up for the future discussions and yeah. later discussions and give them something to talk about and think about as they moved into things yeah, well, I did attend Lane's mm -hmm. workshop. I wanted to be there as a part of that. One, to support her because she's my friend. Yeah. And being Thank a first-time <laughs> presenter, I can only imagine how scary that may have been. Mm -hmm. uh, not that I know. Uh, I have not been a presenter, but um, you have inspired me to hopefully get my fears in check and do a presentation because I would like to do that, and I've thought about it over the years. But I wanted to be there and, and also to be a part of that conversation because... It is a very important conversation, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, it's uh, a, a topic that has reared its ugly head uh, in our community yeah. and uh, in our country, mm -hmm. um, quite to the chagrin of myself, thinking, having thought that 
wow, this country should be moving past this after so many years of of tension and racial right. discrimination and bigotry. And now seeing it reflected in current media mm-hmm. um, with such a following, it's it's distressful. Yeah, it is. It's frightening, actually, to a lot of people. And so. And then to see that and to hear some of the conversations in our community where um, some people are are thumping their chests and and uh, promoting racial exclusive exclusivity right um, to me just goes against everything our gods um, want and stand for so I was really glad to be a part of that conversation Thank you. and um, and it was great. Um, yeah, we didn't just pat each other on the back. Right. Uh, a lot of people brought some very interesting ideas and topics and experiences. That's true. And um, I think what was really good, even though it didn't go as you had thought, I thought it was great to be able to show other people that there are other people who think that way. Absolutely. And you know. that are supportive of each other and that we do have a growing commu- a growing group of people that stand against that. There were there were voices there that were able to vent their pain and their frustration with these these things in our community, and there were people there who were able to offer ideas as to ways to approach and change things in the future to to help well to help change the tide you know so to speak of of the way things are going, um, and uh, so yeah it wasn't all back padding it was there was some very serious discussion and I'm really glad to be able to be, to have been able to host that discussion yeah, well done so, thank you well done thank you very much and, um, hopefully next year we won't have to have that conversation because mm-hmm. things will have progressed to a, a new level well it uh, would be nice there's always going to be some conflict i mean that was only the first of three questions that i had on my <laughs> that's right we well i think yeah. we touched the second question oh, a no. little bit no, no not even not no. even oh my god no, the second the second question was about um heterodoxy and the introduction of not specifically Northern European practice or worship of deities that, that people disapprove of into their kindreds. That's and right. That, you know, that's a, that's a topic for another time, obviously. That There's, is. And one that we will probably cover on this podcast. Oh, plenty so of times. Yeah. Come, come on up or stay with us. And I'm sure we will be covering that. We will be addressing that topic. As a very proud, very, very bad heathen, I will be happy to talk about that. So <laughs> awesome. Well, great. Anything else on your the workshop you led that you would um, like to bring no, up? No, it was just uh, okay. everything I've said already, but uh, I know there was a rune workshop that you attended that you got a lot out of about bind runes. There, you, uh, Drew was running it? No, Drew was not. Drew oh, Ward okay. ran an introduction to runes, which was very oh, interesting. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people that showed up for that. The bind rune was run by Anastasia Halt, um, Hazler, Okay. and she did a really good presentation on... Um, putting together a nice bind rune for um, assisting in your magic work. Oh, nice. As well as creating bind runes for your name or your initials. So Mm -hmm. sort of a generic uh, empowering bind rune based on your name, which was really nice. I wish I'd made that. You know, that class, she was not prepared for how many people showed up. Wow. And and it was, we had people sitting on the floor. Mm -hmm. And it was really great. It's great to see the interest in runes. because they're so close to our hearts, and um, and really quick for any of our listeners who don't know the know what it is, a bind rune is when you uh, combine several runic shapes together to create uh, a final symbol to affect something that has 
or to create an effect that's greater than the sum of the individual runes that are put into it basically it's exactly. it's like sigil work with it with runes yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and it was very very interesting and she anastasia gave um gave a lot of great tips and a lot of great ideas mm -hmm. and uh was far too short of a class, um, but it still was very effective. Uh, one of my other favorite classes was mm -hmm. the um, uh, class led by Patty on Saith, on the Saith history. Right, yeah. And uh, it was at nine o'clock in the morning, which a lot of people don't are not able to get up t that early. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's one of the things about PantheaCon is the nine o'clock workshops are generally um, attended far less uh, in abundance than the 11 o'clock ones because people are still waking up mm -hmm. from being uh, so energized into right. late into the night. But she led a really wonderful core, uh, workshop and uh, provided a lot of great information on Saith and the history of Saith. And it was a great to be a part of that. that that's uh, Patricia LaFile, um, casually referred to as Patty. Um, uh she the only reason that I didn't end up showing up for that because it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart yes, obviously I was surprised I didn't is, see you well I asked her the day before I said is this going to be the same as the uh, lecture that she gave at Brushwood this year I think it was at was it at Wellspring I think it was at Wellspring that she did it and uh, she said that it was essentially the same material so she's like don't worry about it you can you can miss that one <laughs> so um but it it's fascinating I seem to recall her talking a lot about the Sami people um, the did. Finnish people and potential influences of the Finnish people on Northern European magic and ritual and religion, too. Um, did she make the Skadi connection when you were in the class? She did talk a little bit about Skadi. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of other people in there that mm -hmm. was offering questions, a mm -hmm. asking some very interesting questions, and she talked about the Voluspa. The, oh, excellent. Uh, the um, the the uh, Volvan, and mm -hmm. uh, so it was really a very interesting, and um, all of the research that she's doing for projects is really amazing, and when she's able to release those, those are going to be some great, some great books. So Patricia LaFile, just to plug, has written a couple of really amazing books. Uh, one of them is Freya, Lady Vanadis, which is probably the very best uh, compilation of authentic lore on Freya, and an excellent discussion and on on the topic of our of the lady. Uh, the other one is a practical heathen's guide to Asatru. Yes, I haven't read that book yet. Oh, I haven't either. I feel bad. Uh, I, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> but knowing um, Patricia, or, yeah, um, I'm sure it's going to be an amazing book. Yeah. So and great for folks that are just learning about. It's on the reading list. Mm -hmm. uh, she referred to it as a 201. Yeah. You know, as a 201 course essentially in heathenry. So. And she knows her stuff, so yeah. And she's she's, she's a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. So those are uh, some of the workshops that I attended that mm -hmm. were pretty much heathen related. Did yeah. you attend any other things that stood out to you? Um, you know, I honestly didn't make it to a lot of workshops. Period. Mm -hmm. um, I spent a lot of I had a lot of energy saved up for the rituals that we were going to be doing, and a lot of time spent socializing and hanging out with people who. Well, hanging out with good people. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I ended up going to... Actually, the very last thing I attended before the end of the weekend was a... Uh, oh, let me look at the, the schedule here. Okay. It was a workshop by Silence Maestas, um, and he was running 
it was about devotion and about advancing the devotional path uh, for people who had been involved have been involved in any sort of devotional polytheism. Oh, it was just called Advancing Devotional Practice by uh, Silence Maestas. And um, yeah, so it was a really excellent discussion of ways that you can take what you have and advance from there. Thoughts about what devotion means, mm -hmm. uh, mm. how those relationships change over time, just like our human relationships do. Trips, uh, tricks and tips to finding your way through the difficult periods and the fallow periods. And uh, Silence has a huge body of knowledge and wisdom that he reaches into and experience with, um, especially in relation to, I believe, Hindu background and knows some fantastic things that stretch ac across various polytheisms. He had a book that he was a uh, newly released book called Worshipping Loki, which is about Loki from any perspective. It's not a specifically heathen book about him, but um, it's a description of how to create a devotional relationship. And even if it's not about Loki, or it is about Loki, but even outside of it being about Loki, it's a good guide to starting and initiating a devotional relationship with any deity. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's great. So that was the only workshop I remember offhand <laughs> that I attended because there was so much else going on. That usually happens. There's, yeah. Um... But there were hospitality suites. There were. Well, one last workshop before we move on hospitality oh, yeah, yeah. suites. I had mm -hmm. one more. Uh, before sure. I went to PantheaCon, I, um, my partner is um, exploring the Lenormand Oracle system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I found a Lenormand deck that was created in a Viking era style of artwork right. by an, an Australian artist named Carol Beasley. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the artwork was beautiful. It was created with colored pencils. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that is really cool. And I've been wanting to study the Lenormand a little bit right. because I do a lot of um, oracle work other than uh, in addition to runes. And I thought, well, why not? That might help inspire me to uh, study the Lenormand a little bit better. So I ordered the deck and... Uh, um, beautiful the artwork is just simply oh, it is gorgeous. gorgeous i've seen it yeah and she spent a lot of study to make sure that she was true to the lenormand meanings as well as true to representing the viking era people mm -hmm. uh and it was really great stuff uh so the workshop that i got to go to was by mary Kay greer okay uh, she is uh, one of the leaders uh in teaching tarot and lenormand and she's an amazing, amazing woman, and she loved the deck. She thought mm -hmm. it was great, and so that kind of um, uh, approval from someone who works with Lenormand so well really meant a lot. That the the artwork was so good. So mm -hmm. that was that was a good workshop. So I wanted to kind of throw that in a little bit. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, and there was a, a, a couple of other workshops. These are the ones to me that stood out. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of at the top of my head. Um, but there was a lot of other, or a few others that I went to that mm -hmm. were also fun as well. So, so yes, now um, let's go back to hospitality suites. What are hospitality suites, one might ask? Well, they might. And, uh, <laughs> and we have an answer. <clears throat> I guess we do. So to my untrained eye and, and my, my beginner senses, hospitality suites are individual rooms that are set up by different people and organizations that were... Um, Created, they're created to showcase the organization and give hospitality to people who come in. 
a wide variety of organizations, uh, some of which I belong to. Um, for instance, ADF, Arun has a hospitality suite there. And um, so did, uh, well, I don't, I don't even know where to go with this other than just relay some of my experiences. The, uh, the warmest and most, most friendly one that I ran into was the Pagans of Color Hospitality Suite put on by uh, Shochi Katsul. Um, it's a fantastic place. There was always food. There was always welcome. Uh, no matter who you were, you were welcome in. And there was always fascinating conversation and really, really interesting subject matter that came up. And uh, actually, I guess, you know, I was wrong. There was another workshop I attended because the, um, the morning after my discussion, first thing in the morning, I went to a... Um, workshop on social justice as heathen praxis and that was pretty fantastic it again talked a lot about about a lot of the issues that we had been discussing the night before but it went into depth on some of them okay and uh it's looking like there's going to be more of that but anyway yeah pagans of color hospitality suite was wonderful the heathen hospitality suite was excellent too put on by i believe by the alliance for inclusive heathenry right it is the alliance for inclusive heathenry yes mm -hmm. Seeing that big old rainbow sign with a hammer on it on the door was really welcoming. That was really awesome. Yeah, it was It was good to see. And and that was the first year that they've had that symbol. So mm -hmm. um, that was really exciting to see that too. Well, yeah, I believe the Alliance for Inclusive Heathenry formed around uh, the heathens who were going to Salt Lake City for the World Convention of Religions. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I hope to see more from it, you know, in coming I years. I do too, yeah. 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 That, yeah, and that hospitality suite was run by David Carlson and Angela mm -hmm. Carlson, and his wife. Um, they organized it for many, many years, yeah. and they are just amazing people. And the Alliance for Inclusive Heathenry suite was really great because oh, yeah. it really provided a, a space where people could gather and mm -hmm. talk and have bloats and... Uh, I think there were a couple of workshops in there. Oh, yeah. But there were several bo bloats... Um, once in the oars and i can't believe i missed the new York play i feel so bad <laughs> um and and several other styles mm -hmm. and just it was a great place it's also a very warm and friendly place where people could go in and have a little snack have a sit down oh yeah relax a little bit have a chat and then pick yourself up and move on to the next workshop mm -hmm. ritual whatever is going on so uh, and that's the purpose of hospitality suites is to provide a place where people can have a sit and have a discussion as well as learn about different the different pagan practices that we're working on mm -hmm. so um there is a, a suite and temple dedicated to the morrigan yes the, um it is the koru and i'm not going to try and butcher the rest of that name yeah, priesthood. yeah i feel really bad about that but i i'm not up on my gaelic pronunciation yeah, I would butcher it as well. Uh, but we're they going had to a, include information on them on the website. So they had a wonderful suite and mm -hmm. and a beautiful temple space. They oh. they rented one of the hotel rooms and turned it completely into a temple space to the Irish gods and goddesses, and yeah. it was amazing. It's a very peaceful one. It was yeah. very well attended, and it was a powerful place. It was. It was some of the most intense sacred space that I've ever encountered, to be completely honest. And it'd be really nice to see a heathen temple like that too. You know, have a little hoof set up um, with some vase in, in there. Yeah, that yeah. would be awesome. Yeah. The um, 
Yeah, got, and you know what? Holes and, yeah. It was really interesting to me, Lane, because we went in, we went together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to check that out. Right. And uh, because before I became, uh, before I uh, came to Odin and Freya mm-hmm. and the the northern. Um, Germanic gods and goddesses. I was fostered by the Irish gods and goddesses, and yeah. the Morrigan was very um, important to me. Interesting, yeah. And so I was like, I wanted to go in and check this out. And you had had a, some dealings with the Morrigan as well. So that's it was... true. I have a lot of friends who are um, who are hers mm-hmm. and who work with her. And uh, for a long time, I avoided her because I was terrified. But uh, I mean, as you know, uh, last Samhain, uh, the ADF Grove asked me if I would invoke her for the ritual. And yes. I'm like, ah, the day has finally come. The day has okay. come. <laughs> and I'm very glad that I did. And I would not, I may not have had such a powerful experience in the temple if I had not spent the time that I did researching her and communing with her. Um, I have to say that temple was, was a very, it had a huge impact on me spiritually. And although I still do not connect with those gods the same way I do with the, the northern gods. Um, well, that didn't prevent me from having a powerful experience with them. Yeah, so. and I don't... I, I, yeah, my, my relationship has changed with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to me to be um, like relatives. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you connect with them every now and then, but there's still a connection. Right. And, uh, and they're so welcoming. And, and I do connect with them uh, from time to time, especially with my work in ADF. And mm-hmm. that's really great. But what I was leading up to is when we... So the, the two suites were side by side, the right. hospitality suite, and then the temple was right next mm-hmm. door. And we were greeted by a wonderfully friendly um, priestess who mm-hmm. was just so open. The hospitality there was amazing. Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by hospitality, I don't mean that, oh, they... They fed me and gave me drink although and all of did. that stuff, although they did. But it was just the friendliness. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I had to, like, wander around until somebody noticed me. It was right, right off the bat. And But as soon as I stepped into the temple, I felt like I was in a completely different space. I oh, did yes. not feel like I was in the hotel with all of that energy going on. Mm-hmm. It was amazing how that space was really carved out to be sacred yeah and to me it was very peaceful and calm and just really exhilarating they did a great job what did you think about it i i feel the same way it um you know we talk about sacred uh you know coming from a proto-indo-european root word that means to separate or to cut off and in 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 that sense the temple was completely sacred it was very cut off it was its own space and the hospitality suite was wonderful also. I, uh, It had the quality that you could walk in and didn't feel like you had to explain yourself. Mm-hmm. You didn't need to explain why you were there. And I will say there were one or two suites that I walked into where, you know, nobody nobody said hi when you walked in. And, you know, that I really think that the food and drink, while the food and drink is important, I think uh, that greeting people and inviting them in and making them feel welcome and trying to engage them, I think that's an important part of, of what makes the best hospitality suites. I agree with you on that. Um, and I wanted to give a brief shout out to another one that I don't remember the name of the suite, but I know that uh, Gina Pond of This Week in Heresy, um, it's uh, it's their organization that runs it. Okay. And um, it was, I ended up there late on Sunday evening and 
it was another very warm and friendly place to be. Oh, so, wow, that's great. Yeah. Gina was somebody who was good to meet in person. She interviewed me before Pantheacon about heathen topics and things like that on This Week in, this week in Heresy, which is another good uh, podcast that I'll definitely recommend to people. So, Excellent. And um, speaking of hospitality suites, before we move on to our next topic, mm-hmm. our next part of Pantheacon is I hosted a, a Pantheacon uh, hospitality suite with my excellent. partner, Fred West. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hosted a divination hospitality suite and a Apparently, it was the first one ever at PantheaCon. Um, go figure. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. It is. Uh, so we were really excited about that. We uh, didn't have a lot of food, but we tried to make people feel welcome. Mm-hmm. And we had some really interesting workshops about different forms of divination. And the purpose was to have, the purpose of ours was to, one, be a welcoming place where people could come and hang out. Uh, it definitely wasn't a party suite. It was a little bit more calm, mm-hmm. probably because yeah. it was new. Mm-hmm. But we had a uh, interesting uh, oracle and tarot slant rune uh, tool swap. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a bunch of um, card decks of cards and tools already, and we invited people to bring a tool that was no longer working for them and swap it out, exchange it nice. for one that they thought, well, maybe I'll give this one a try. And it was very popular and very exciting. And I think uh, out of the 45 or 50 decks that we brought we had almost a complete turnover mm-hmm. of materials so that was really exciting yeah it was. Um, we had workshops on the oem which is the irish form of divination we had a workshop on reading rune groupings mm-hmm. um, one of our local san diego um, pagans named marcus fisher did a workshop on key divination oh. which is exciting uh, fred taught tarot constellations excellent and i did a workshop on oracle cards just like a basic intro so um Mm -hmm. it was really exciting and oh and from adf our friend bonnie sear uh, Sear landry did a a workshop on the adf specific uh divination tool called the nine by nine oh interesting yeah it's one i haven't been introduced to yet me neither i I remember um freedom uh, freedom, awesome. freedom led the rune grouping. Oh, yeah, that's right. Who was right. a member mm-hmm. of our kindred here, yeah. kindred of the Northern Hammer, and mm-hmm. she uh, has since uh, moved to a different part of the country that's to true. do a different, to explore life in a new way. So, mm-hmm. but that was great, and the divination suite was exciting. So, I think we'll do that again next year. Yeah, I got a lot out of it. I really mm. appreciated it. Um, and, and we had a wonderful wolf oh, card yes, over. True. Can you tell us a little bit about Absolutely. her? Absolutely. <laughs> well, so I've got a very large stuffed stuffed wolf that's given by a, um, a dear friend of mine uh, who lives far and away on the other side of the continent. Uh, she lives in Quebec, um, and she gave me the wolf to to snuggle because she's not around to snuggle. And uh, the wolf is named Lerolf, which. Apparently, as I understand it, is is from the Nor- Norwegian for laughing wolf, and uh, so I carried Lerolf around the pa- around Pantheacon quite a bit, and she got a lot of attention. She's she is a very large stuffed wolf, she like is she's very large, um, like thirty six inches, pillow, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, but I I left her at the divination suite a few times, and she watched over the tarot exchange. So if you go onto the Facebook pages for mm-hmm. Pantheacon yep. or the uh, Pantheacon Divination Suite group page, yeah, you'll see pictures of her. Yep. So she's, it was really great to have her. Thank you. Yeah. For, oh, you're thanks welcome. For leaving her with uh, us, I plan on keeping her us back company. every year. I mean, in in a way, it was a way for my friend to be there too. Yeah. Um, who obviously being in Quebec and you know just not being able to hasn't wasn't able to be there herself. So yeah. one day maybe she can come. I hope so. Yeah. 
So at this point, let's move on to um, our final portion of our Pantheacon yeah, uh -huh. wrap-up. And I would like to have us talk about some of the great rituals Absolutely. that we attended. Yeah. And let me just say there's a lot of rituals. So many. And uh, there's a lot of opportunities. There's drum circles. There's a drum making class. Mm -hmm. There are rituals that include everything from very serious meditation to very wild and crazy uh, dancing and having a great time in uh, leading a ritual in sacred laughing space and sacred dancing space. Yeah. It's really exciting. So um, we attended several rituals together. We did. And, and we, we helped to run a few of them too, or we, at least one of them. We were part of them, a couple of them, <clears throat> sure. So one of the first ones I think we could talk about would be the Four Thrones of the Vanaheim. Right, Absolutely. Uh, that was a really good ritual. It was put on by the Vanek Conspiracy, Ember, Ember Cook and the Vanek Conspiracy. And it was a ritual where uh, the four main Vanek gods that we know of, Nerthus and Niorth, Freya and Freyr, um, were all being honored. There were four priests and priestesses of the, of the Vanir who had these individual deities invited to inhabit them. Mm-hmm. And they carried the deities for those rites. As you walked in the door, you would draw a token from a basket, and that token would indicate which one of the Vanir you would be having the audience with this year. Um, I ended up drawing one for Nerthus, who is the one out of the four that I have the least connection to. So I think that was a, I think that was an appropriate thing. And somehow before I came in, I knew that that I was going to end up talking to her this weekend. So. <laughs> Wanted the audience with New Earth too, but you can't have everything, right? You can't have everything. But it was a beautiful rite. It was. It was. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And um, I, uh, I spoke with Freya, mm -hmm. which was really great. Uh, she confirmed a lot for me, Good. which was exciting, especially about the work that you and I are going to be doing here in San Diego Good. with um, bringing the Vanek conspiracy to our area here and forming a tribe here which is really mm -hmm. exciting yeah so um, it was great uh, it was it was nice to see that like, in a, that format because uh, um it's great to see it was like save but with the, with the gods and the goddesses right. inhabited and but speaking with the people which i thought was and that's, I think that's is becoming really a more common format nowadays uh for people who are trained in mediumship and transpossession and it's a really powerful one, not only for the people who get to encounter the goddess and have a have a living, breathing representation of the god or goddess who can talk with them, but also for the the um, medium who's performing it. It's a powerful and, and valuable experience. It brings you closer to that power, and it's almost inevitably life-changing. Uh, so yeah, the Four Thrones in Vanaheim right? after you were done with your audience, you were encouraged to spend some time at the altar that had representations of each of them and had offerings that you could yeah. you could provide for them as well. Yeah, so. they were great, great representations. I like that. Yeah, I did too. A lot too. of fun. So. so then the big one for us. The big one for us that yeah. we were specifically a part of right. the um, production of the ritual mm -hmm. is the four fa or the Facets of Freya. Right, Facets of Freya ritual put on by Kara, Freya's daughter, mm -hmm. and uh, Freyazet, which is a group of uh, Freya's priestesses, and, well, Freya... Uh, pe Freya's people. <laughs> Freya's people, yes. Um, because we do have multiple genders uh, um, represented among them. Mm -hmm. And for this ritual, 
each one of the uh, each one of the get up. Uh, well, actually, the the gender neutral term prestix was introduced to me over the course of the weekend, oh, okay. um, and so I I've been using that. that a little bit. Well, that's it's brand new. Oh, um, they've been using it in the Bay Area, so really? I'm just going to use it as a kind of neutral general catch all. So, awesome, thank you. I like that. Yeah, how would one spell that? Um, I with think, an X at the I end think or? it's Ix. Yeah, I-X. priest okay. Ix. I'm not sure, but I'll find out. Super. So, prestix. Um, the uh oh yeah so anyway each one of the individual priestesses um or maybe priestesses priestesses uh <laughs> perhaps we carried a facet an individual aspect of the lady and there was a lot actually there were six yeah and i honestly don't remember what all of us were because i was trying to focus on on doing the work of carrying my own i could so, try to see if i can remember them all and we had the lady vanities Yep. We had Seth Kona. Yep. We had um, the Chooser of the Slain. The Bear of Brisingaman. Yeah, the Bear of Brisingaman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marthol. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then... The Survivor. The Survivor. Yeah. Yes. It, so that's all six. Yeah, and they told it, it told a story um, as, as the ritual was crafted and as we discussed it, the different aspects and facets of her told a story of Freya's, um, relating to Freya's... Mm-hmm. The changes over her life, her relationship with Oath, surviving hardships and moving on and, and becoming stronger as a result. And again, tokens, rune tokens crafted by, by John. Yeah, I did that. Um, mm-hmm. Were what were used to choose which aspect of Freya you ended up having an audience with. And we did that because um, there was just so many people that showed up, um, mm-hmm. probably at least 50 people came to um, audience with Freya so we needed to have something that would help to spread it out a little bit and let Freya choose who she wanted exactly. to speak with really yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, and I had the uh, honor of warding and guiding people and um, helping um, make sure that things were smooth and people were cared for Let's hear it for the warding team yeah I mean, you guys yeah. did a really good job we and... did have a great warding team yeah it was really good. Yeah. I carried um, Freya Seth Kona, and what it ended up turning out was that each of the each of the aspects of Freya had a specific question, um, or question that they would go back to for the the supplicants um, mm-hmm. that came to talk to them, and the Freya aspect of Freya that I was carrying continually asked them, "What is it about yourself that you're afraid of? What are you afraid of in yourself that you're not confronting?" Mm-hmm. So it was. Um, there were some difficult questions there, but it was a really it was it was a fascinating experience. It's the second time I've carried her in a large public rite, and um, as much as I enjoy the experience, at least once I'd like to be there as Lane, um, <laughs> so that I can have you know have five minutes with her. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe down the road there hopefully. will be another opportunity. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So that was the facets of Frey. Yeah. And the. Interesting and about just a hand for Freya's hat also. Yes, yes, we all did Freya's job. Yeah. Uh, and that was an eleven o'clock ritual. Oh yeah. PM, mm-hmm. folks. Mm-hmm. PM. So that just shows you how long these go. So the first workshop slant rituals all start at nine a.m., and the last one begins at eleven p.m., which could, which means it could run until twelve thirty or one o'clock. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is no. St- no uh, hour that is not has something going on during that time. Mm-hmm. So then our 
it's not our next chronologically because this actually happened earlier in the day. It was the um, God of the Rainbow Bridge. That's a right. Mm-hmm. Ritual to Heimdall, led mm-hmm. by Diana Paxson. And um, probably Harafnar was probably. Yeah, uh, Harafnar was in, involved was with that. Was involved, one. and mm-hmm. I don't know if they, if they had other folks in there. But that was a really uh, interesting. Uh, ritual as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was it was great to have Diana lead the ritual and to be a part of that and to get some experience with Heimdall. Yeah, uh, I really like how Diana um, ties in the myths of Ragnarok with environmental damage that we're doing to the world. And there was a very moving song that we sang um, about uh, Heimdall uh, softly blowing the Gjallarhorn and warning to us of uh, mm-hmm. what's going on. So it was a, it was a very moving ceremony um, and powerful. And uh, they also told the, the story of, of Rig mm-hmm. uh, in a very wonderful way yeah. that was very um, open and um, just really, I think it really explained the, the, the humanity and, and how we are so entwined and integrated to each other. We're all children of Heimdall. Yes, it was yeah. really wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. I really love the way that they told the story. Yeah. So that was great. So there were a couple of rituals I attended that you didn't get to, yes. get to make it to. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit about those, it would I would be love great. to. Um, Sunday evening, I went to uh, the, <clears throat> the devotional rite to... Dionysus Hestios, host of the revel. It was put on by Lon Sarver and Theasos Bacchaeus. Sorry if I'm butchering that, Lon. And uh, it was an excellent ritual. It, um, it, everyone was drawn in and brought in. Um, uh, he had uh, manads helping out, um, aiding, assisting in the rite. And uh, everyone sat around the edges of the room, and there was a series of offerings that were that were made to Dionysus and to all of the the deities and powers that are associated with him. And there were a couple of very powerful moments there. Um, the one that stood out the most when he was when he was doing the offerings, at least personally to me, was when he offered to the Bacchae, the 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 revelers that that followed Dionysus and and that carried his cultus, and. Uh, he spoke about people who, who had left uh, hard homes and harder hands. You know, he, he spoke about the, the strange, the lost, the queer, the trans among them. And the crowd roared with applause at that point. It was, it was a really um, heartwarming moment. And after all of the solemn offerings, and we had been taught some songs, most of which we remembered, the ruffle began. <laughs> uh, music, music was played, uh, and... Uh, drums were were put up and we were past noisemakers and dancing began and we began to dance in his honor and revel in his honor there was a pause point where we all sat down and drank drank a, a toast to him and then the, the revel just continued until it was petered out until it was it was finished it was a beautiful rite and a powerful one and um it was one of the few times that i really reached outside of heathenry during this uh uh during pantheacon and really over the last little while in my life and I'm really glad that I did. I'm glad I had this experience. I had um I had done work with Dionysus many, many, many years ago, long, long time ago, and uh, it was good to revisit that. I think in our multicultural society, mm-hmm. it's great to have relationships of some sort with other pantheons. Oh yeah, and uh, that's 
really great that you were able to reconnect and to um, have that experience. It was a beautiful rite, and uh, Lon is trying to establish um, his Dionysian um, tradition there and group there. So uh, awesome. I'll put up some links for, yeah. for that, too, because, you know, um, he certainly helps out with the Vanek stuff and, yeah. and the heathen stuff in that area, too. Best wishes, Lon, on that. Yeah, best wishes. Hey. Let's... And then the last rite that I attended at 11 o'clock Sunday evening was the Locusena rite. And Locusena, is, as you know, is the um, the flighting of Loki, wherein a flighting is a poetic insult contest, essentially, where all of the gods are partying at Aegir's Hall under the sea, and Loki isn't invited, and he shows up upset about this. So Locusena was, was put on by the Golden Gate Kindred, and it was a ritual drama, and it really recalled to me the uh, the sort of Greek ritual drama concept where it's a matter of spiritual catharsis for the community and mm -hmm. release for the community. And among the insults that were flung when Loki ended up showing up to the uh, to the dinner that was being hosted by the gods, a lot of important current social issues were were worked into it. When uh, Loki insults Freya for sleeping around, Freya chases him around the room until he apologizes because he was slut-shaming her. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Trying to shame or, her, yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah, well, slut-shaming is a common term used yeah. nowadays for, for insulting women for being free about their sexuality. Yeah. And it certainly applies to that, you know. And um, there, there was discussion of, um, or there was issues of sexuality, of gender, of inclusion, of class all worked into this beautiful ritual production of Locusena. Um, I have to say at the very beginning that where the gods were sitting around the table, you know, and I heard a knock on the door, one of the con monitors uh, went up to the door and opened the door and said, no, no, I'm sorry, this ritual is closed. And someone really loud and boisterous and, and sounded a little bit intoxicated, started arguing with them. And there was a little scuffle that broke out. And for two seconds, I wondered what was going on. And then Loki burst into the room and I'm like, oh, okay, nice. They did that well. <laughs> yeah. And um, at the very end of it, it was really powerful. Um, another powerful moment because, you know, at the end of Locusena, um, for showing up and calling out the gods on their, on, well, I mean, on the things that, that you know, on their mistakes, Loki gets dragged off, his son gets eviscerated, um, his son's intestines are used to bind him to a rock, a, uh, a snake is placed above him to, to drip venom into his <laughs> eyes, and uh, the person playing Loki, Gwyn, I believe is, uh, is how you say his name, um, the way he was screaming and, and watching the end of that, watching him being bound to the stone um, with, his, with his son's intestines after watching his son get killed. It was just, I was sobbing at the end of it. It was a really powerful experience. And afterwards, you know, there was a kind of ritual letdown and aftercare. They passed us these little mirrors with bind runes on the back mm, wow. that they said to, uh, they were for us to look into when we wanted to face uncomfortable truths about ourselves. Um, I know we're, almost, we're kind of running over, but there is another event that I really need to talk about that I attended okay. that I had almost forgotten to. And this was really important to me. And that was the uh, Gender Diverse Pagans Inclusivity versus Hospitality that was held on Saturday evening at 7 p.m. And that was a really important and excellent workshop. Um, there were, it was filled to the brim. You know, I expected it. I made pride bracelets. I made pr trans and non-binary pride bracelets to bring along. And I made like a half dozen of each because I didn't realize that the entire 
two, like this huge, huge room would be packed full of us. Really important conversations were, were had there about different ways to, to be hospitable to gender diverse pagans in different settings. And one of the most important things that was brought up, and this is something that I've carried with me from Pantheacon and I'm carrying with me into other things too, is the concept of inclusivity versus hospitality. Whereas inclusivity is letting anyone in, allowing anyone in, and hospitality is making sure that the people that you invite are welcome where they are. If you're inclusive, you're going to include the people who are going to be harmful to your other guests. Hospitality is watching those guests and making sure that that no one is being no one's being harmed, no one's being excluded, no one's being marginalized, everyone's given a voice, um, and that the people who are behaving poorly towards other guests are not welcome. Because hospitality extends in both directions. It's responsibility of guest and responsibility of host. Exactly. And if the guests aren't living up to their responsibility of, of being good to the others in the hall, then they need to be shown the door. Absolutely. And, and helped out the door. Yes, and helped out <laughs> the door. Uh, yeah. And so... Um, maybe we could call it hospitable inclusivity. Oh, uh, maybe. Something um, like that. You know. The, but anyway, I, I understand what you're saying and that that's a very important concept to um, not only just be inclusive, but to be hospitable mm -hmm. um, when you're in, uh, in that group or setting so that everyone knows that, hey, we, we, we are responsible to each other. And for a lot of gender diverse folks in the <clears throat> greater pagan community and in the subset that is the heathen community, a lot of times we're told that we're welcome somewhere, but we're not actually, or we're welcome, but when we show up, we get treated funny or, or given trouble or... We're welcome, but the people who say that we're insane and harmful and perverts are also welcome. And since we're a smaller voice and we don't have as much that, you know, we don't have as much behind us, you know, as much history and as many friends and just as much social pull behind us, we end up, end up getting pushed right back out despite, yeah. you know, despite being told that. And that's why that conversation was really important and, and powerful for us, because a lot of people who were, who weren't gender diverse were there also and you know they were there to absorb the ideas and try and understand what was going on so i miss uh, that i wish i could have been there i think i was monitoring the suite at the time yeah i had my duties but um i was there in spirit and yeah. supporting all of the gender diverse people and the one neat thing about PantheaCon is there is a lot of gender diversity and a lot of color diversity mm -hmm. and sexual orientation diversity yeah. and uh, for the most part, the majority is very open it and is. hospitable about that. There are a few knuckleheads, of course, and uh, but it doesn't take long for them to realize that their voice is not the the common one. Exactly, and uh, they can try to raise their voice, but they'll get put down rather quickly. I've got to be honest; that was one of the one of the things that I found really comforting about the place. There were so many things that I didn't need to worry about that I have to worry about in other places and times. Yeah, it is so, a beautiful experience for that it uh, is. to see all of that diversity and and the the beauty that we are as human beings is just amazing and in our in our relationships to each other is is great so yeah, yeah. it was a wonderful experience go to pantheacon if you can if, go if you can go please come please look us up and yeah. we'll uh we'll be happy to uh, be a part of that so and if uh if some things some other projects that john and i have planned 
uh, work out the way I'd like to. There might be a whole new hospitality suite going on there, and we'll we'll talk more about that at another point. Ooh, but, we will. That'll be great. You know, we're just leaving a teaser here for that now. Absolutely. So, do you want to draw the rune for the evening before let's, we go to a close? Let's do a rune, and then we'll go to a close. We're almost at an hour. We thank Perfect. you, folks, for listening to us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, being a part of this. And so, pull out the runes. Do we have a question, or are we just doing a basic... Well... I think we're just drawing, trying to see what comes up and talking about the rune. There we go. Ooh, Ingwas. Ingwas. Oh. How great. The seed of potential. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The rune for our Lord Frere. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a double. That's the same, same thing. Lord, Lord, Lord Frere. Yeah. <laughs> our Lord Lord uh, for Ing Frere. Uh, Frere Ing, uh, our wonderful brother of Freya. Yep. Ingvi uh, is his proper name. Ingvi. Yep. So exciting. And, you know, it's a very timely rune to be drawn also to having Ingvi's rune pulled because the, uh, the Vanek conspiracy around this time of the year, they do their rites of welcoming Frey back from, from the mound. He sleeps Absolutely. in the mound for half the year during their rites and uh, towards the end of February, beginning of March, they welcome him back into the world. Yeah. And uh, as far as I know, the they in, um, or actually Sunday, they performed these, these rituals, I believe, in... Uh, uh, San Francisco, and because we're trying to bring some of their flavor and some of their practice down here to San Diego, I did a private private write to him also, the same night, and it was a very positive and 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 wonderful thing. Um, let's see what the rune poems say. Excellent. Uh, so let's see the Anglo-Saxon rune poem. Ing was among the first East Danes seen by men till he to the east over waves went his wane after ran. Thus the Hyrdings named him Hero. So it's historical references to the historical King Ing, who may or may not be Frey, but who is tied to him in any case, where we get the name from. Um, and uh, Ing is often, you know, you mentioned the seed of potential. It's the beginning of new things and great things. Um, I also know that uh, Freya Aswin speaks of it the way she speaks of it. She talks about it being, you know, it looks like two interlocked kanas in one of its forms. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she she represents it as the rune of sex, you know, and, and of specific, specifically of the synergy that occurs when multiple people work passionately together. The thing that is created that is a great, greater than the sum of their parts, which I think bodes well for our show. And our, our show, yeah, projects. and our projects, absolutely. Hailing v. Frey. Hailing v. Frey. So thank you folks for yeah. uh, hanging with us this long absolutely. or for pausing us earlier and returning to us <laughs> after a break. <clears throat> we do appreciate that. Yeah. We do appreciate you being here for our second show and absolutely. our continuing shows. If you would like to give us feedback, we would like to provide you with our email address, mm -hmm. um, gifts of, of the, the weird. weird at gmail.com. Mm hmm and eventually we will probably have a blog up and a, and there is a website i That's snagged true. it mm -hmm. called giftsoftheweird.com mm -hmm. um, most of it's probably just going to redirect to other opportunities or other places um, until we have the time um, with all of our projects both lane and i are very busy but oh, we, yeah. we do want to be able to consistently put out the podcast and to hear these voices lane i i i know I know the answer already, but wow. our, our listeners don't because they can't see us. But okay. We have some wonderful guests that we have already been in contact with who have officially said they would love to be on our show. 
That's true. So we have a lot of stuff coming up uh, for you folks that we mm-hmm. are going to be working on and lining up. And uh, it's very exciting to me, and yeah. I believe it is for you. Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of these people are friends or are, um, you know, people that we we have connections to that uh, have important voices in the heathen and, and heathen communities and communities related to Northern European spirituality. Yeah, and, and they are very excited about the format of this being as um, hospitable and inclusive mm-hmm. as it is yeah and um and for the voices that we're reaching out and the people that we would like to see join us on mm-hmm. on this so we're really excited about that and as we get things lined up and a little bit more solidified as a uh, as a schedule we'll be posting that mm-hmm. in our various places and and forgive us for our technical issues we will get better we promise we're getting new we're new to this so yeah we'll get there uh, so hail to you hail to you thank you, you. Thank you.